Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurial League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Perel, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week. That's entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey. I didn't know how to create a course. I mean, I had a proven method, you know, that I had used myself and that I had taught all of these bloggers at that point on how to do. So I had the recipe, but then I was like, how do I actually, like, I don't know what goes into a course. So I bought a course that taught you how to create a course. And I want to say it was probably like, 500, 600 bucks, which was a lot like that was the biggest I've, I'd never invested $500 in like a business like that before. But I knew I was like, look, I've got to figure this out. Julie Solomon is a speaker, business coach, podcast host, and the author of the recent book, Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable. From her start as a publicist, representing some of the top musicians and thought leaders of our generation, Julie has grown over the last 15 years to teach tens of thousands of students worldwide through her platforms. She helps women turn messages into movements and empowers entrepreneurs to grow their influence and impact. Coming up, Julie shares lessons from the early days of developing and monetizing her blog. She shares the importance of playing to your strengths the evolution of Julie's Pitch It Perfect services and the creation of her podcast. Julie shares a peek behind the curtain at the three stages of launching a new book. And finally, she shares how clarity can create confidence and why confidence is so important in entrepreneurship. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Julie, I am so excited to sit down and have this conversation with you. We were just chatting before we started recording. I can't believe it's been so many years since we briefly met in person at our social fly office many years yeah. ago when Courtney and I, as you know, running our first business social fly. So it's exciting to see all that you've done over the past couple of years and excited to chat and share your story. Yes, it's so exciting to be here and to reconnect. I'll be actually coming to New York later this summer. So hopefully we can see each other then. Yes, well, Courtney will be there. Courtney and I both moved to Florida two years ago. Well, so you we are both down here full time. If you're in Palm Beach or Miami, let us know. But Courtney is in New York for the summer. So she can definitely meet when you're there. So so for sure, let us know. I love know. Miami. I went from LA to Nashville. I feel like everyone was moving out of the big cities. Yep. You got it. I say we were like the early movers, the early, early adopters moving in 2020. And now I joke, I'm like, I feel like I'm a state recruiter for the state of Florida. <laughs> telling everyone to come down here. <laughs> come on down. Well, Julie, That's I would funny. love to hear more about your background and how you got into the influencer business. I know that you studied broadcast journalism in college. You worked as a publicist, but take me back to the early days. How did it start? Yeah, so the early days of really starting as an influencer I had lived in New York 
City back in 2007. And that's where I started my publicity career. So I worked at an agency there. Then I had gone to Nashville, worked in corporate America there as a publicist. I did music publicity and book publicity. So really learned a lot in terms of the traditional landscape of PR and working with a lot of really high profile artists and celebrities and thought leaders and authors and things like that. And then I moved to Los Angeles in 2000, early 2013. And at the time I was, you know, new city, I was freelancing PR work at the time. So I wasn't going into an office to meet people. I was pregnant. And so with my husband and it was our first child and I just needed a way to kind of connect to that community and meet people. And so I laugh and say, I do, I did what every girl that moves to LA does and that's start a blog. And so I started blogging in early 2013 kind of a lifestyle mom blog, you know, just creating content and testing this out. I was really looking around that scene of Los Angeles at the time. And there were all of these bloggers. They weren't called influencers or content creators at the time. They were either bloggers or YouTubers. And I met one in particular, my dear friend, Angela, who I'm still good friends with today. And she just really encouraged me. She said, you know, you should start a blog. And I had been in LA for about a year at that time. So in early 2014, I I started a blog and I kicked off my first blog post. And it was just a way for me to start to try something. And it never really fit in terms of I was never the the fashion, beauty, lifestyle blogger that just had like the perfectly curated content. I wasn't the one that was really honing down on that, you know, but I would see there were so many women at the time, Chriselle Lim and Sincerely Jules and, you know, so many of those women in LA, Mariana Hewitt, that really kind of honed in on that. And I wanted to do that so bad because I felt like that's, you know, that's the goal of this. But something that I was able to do pretty well early on was to start to monetize my Mm -hmm. blog and to really start to build relationships and partnerships with brands because I knew how to pitch myself. And so I would go to these blogger events and most of the bloggers would kind of just be sitting in the corner with their friends on their phones, not really, you know, they, they were taking content, mm-hmm. but they weren't really connecting with, with the people that were there. And I would really use that, that opportunity as a time to build relationships with brands. And so I would meet heads of PR agencies or reps of brands and companies in that way. And I would just start to talk to them about what are your goals? What are you interested in? What about working with bloggers is interesting to you? And it was still kind of such a new landscape for all of us. It was a new landscape for the bloggers and it was this new landscape for the brands. And so everyone was just kind of really open to testing things out. It was a very collaborative time because no one really knew, you know, and it was, it was even before we had a lot of the data that we have now from the social platforms. You couldn't really really measure things like you can now back then. It was kind of a testing and guessing game. It was. And so I understood that. I understood marketing budgets and metrics and things like that because I had been a publicist for a long time. And so I was able to start monetizing my blog early on and start really building relationships with brands. And so, you know, I may not have the perfectly curated feed and I might not have been front row at fashion week, but I was really building these relationships Mm -hmm. and other bloggers started to kind of take notice. And they would just kind of say, you know, Julie, like, I don't mean to sound rude when I say this, but how is it that you're building these great relationships with brands and you're consistently making money and your content's not really like, perfect, but I'm over here with like the perfect feed, the perfect, you know, using the perfect camera, like doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm making like $30 off of my affiliate link. And I was like, well, it's because I'm, I'm using this as a, as an opportunity to really build a Mm -hmm. relationship and I know how to pitch myself. So I started to kind of realize at that time that what was valuable to, to my community wasn't my blog, it was my expertise as a marketer and as a publicist. So I started to kind of consult some blogger friends of mine, you know, one-on-one helping them grow their personal brands. That, that's what we call it now, yeah. their personal brands, th- helping them grow their blogs, helping them work with brands. I would start to negotiate contracts for them because they didn't know how to mm-hmm. negotiate at all. They didn't know how to read contracts. And just again, with my background, I had a little, you know, a little bit more of an understanding of that. And then 
at the same time too, I was like, well, maybe I'll just test this content out. Instead of talking about motherhood tips, I'll do something about marketing. And so I started to create content. And I think the first one that I did was like the top five PR tips every blogger needs to know. And that one blog post did better than like all of my lifestyle blog posts had combined. So clearly I was on to something. I was like, okay, this really needs to be the path to go on. And I think that for a lot of people that may be listening, a lot of times we feel like we have to put ourselves in this box. Like I kept telling myself that, you know, being a publicist isn't fun. I'm not going to be able to create content around that. It's not sexy. It's not cute. No one's going to care about that. And I kept trying to force myself to be really something that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And although there are a lot of amazing women that do that stuff well, that just wasn't in alignment for me. And so it wasn't until I really started just being honest and kind of letting it be more easy. You know, like, what am I actually really good at naturally? What do people naturally come to me for? And so I started to create content around branding and marketing and PR and pitching, and then that really took off. And so I kept getting more clients. And then that one-to-one, I started to hit a wall. And so I started to think, well, how could I become a one-to-many? How Mm -hmm. can I, obviously, this is a felt need. People want the solution that I provide. So how can I do this? And then this was probably 2016 by this point. So it was a couple of years later and on Instagram and on YouTube. And if you Googled, there was this idea of these online courses. Mm-hmm. People were starting to create programs in it on anything. You know, you want to grow your Pinterest by this course. You want to grow Instagram by this course. You want to become a certified yoga instructor by this course. But there was nothing at the time that was teaching people about pitching or working with brands, or monetizing a brand, or building a personal brand, or even blog growth. I mean, there were some courses that were just starting on like, grow your followers. Yeah. But there wasn't, even that has, I think, a shelf limit. There wasn't anything that was teaching the people the fundamental business foundations of how to actually create a business out of this. And so I created it. I created a course in 2016 called Pitch It Perfect. And that course really completely changed my life. It changed my business. It helped me go from a $65,000, a year salary to a seven-figure salary and really just put me on a different trajectory as an expert and as someone to go to to get these solutions. And then a year later, I started the Influencer Podcast, which then just spread my name and what I did more. And that's really how I got into the influencer space, cut to now. Pitch It Perfect is still around. It's now a monthly membership. And I get to go in there and actually coach our community every week, which is amazing. And I also have a branding membership as well to really brand it perfect, to build the foundation of the brand. And then you can pitch it perfect. And then you can start to launch it perfect. That's the the thing that that also started to come up with influencers. They started to want to launch their own mm-hmm. products and services, and they didn't know how to do that. And I had been doing that. And so that's really how I, I paved my way into the space and what that looks like now. And, and then the, the latest thing is the book that you see behind me, Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable, that came out June 7th. Well, thank you for sharing your background and journey and story. It is so incredible. I have so many questions now, so many things to unpack based on everything that you just shared. And then I cannot wait to dive in and, and talk about your book and how that came to be. So I want to go back to some of the things that you just shared, Julie, about initially seeing the need in the marketplace because some of your friends who were influencers, they didn't know how to pitch themselves. They weren't sure how to get these brand deals. So you started working with them organically. It's actually kind of a similar story to when Courtney and I started Socialfly on this side of our full-time jobs. We were just helping some of these smaller businesses with their social media strategy strategies. And we were like, wait a second, this can be a business, not just an after-work activity. So we started charging a little bit and then we're able to charge more. How did you figure out in those early days, you know, did you charge your friends for these services? Were you just testing it out? Like, how did you figure out how to set your your price? Yeah. So when I was doing consulting, I would set a price and I didn't know. I think I was charging like 500 bucks a month mm-hmm. or something like that at the time. Like I, I literally just pulled it out of thin air. When it came to negotiating their brand deals, I would take a commission fee, which is very standard for managers and agents to do. So I think it was like 10% commission fee to negotiate anything on your behalf, or if I bring anything your way, you know, that's 10%. That's all I'll take. And then if you're wanting my consulting, if you want me to kind of teach you my methodology, then, you know, that's going to be $500 a month for 
three months or whatever that was. And then when I created the course, it was kind of similar. I didn't know how to create a course. I mean, I had a proven method, you know, that I had used myself and that I had taught all of these bloggers at that point on how to do. So I had the recipe, but then I was like, how do I actually, like, I don't know what goes into a course. So I bought a course that taught you how to create a course. And I want to say it was probably like 500, 600 bucks, which was a lot like that was the biggest I've, I'd never invested $500 in like a business like that before. But I knew I was like, look, I've got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know how to price my course. I think the first, I literally just made it up. I started to kind of look around to see what other people are doing, but it was such a varying slide and it still is. I mean, there's some courses out there. They're 2000, 5000, 999, 499. I didn't know. And so I think my, the first time I launched it, it was like 250 bucks. And so I said to myself, if I sell two of these, I'm going to make my money back on the investment that I made. And that's how I started doing it. I just started doing the course that I took. One of the ways that you can sell a course is like a live, they call them webinars, like a live webinar, a live video. So I did it on YouTube at the time and I just kind of live streamed and created this slide deck and shared my offer. And I think the first time I did that, I had like five sales and I was like, oh my gosh. And so then my goal was like, if I could just make $5,000 a month off this course. And so I started essentially live launching it every single month because I didn't at the time have a proper automated Mm -hmm. system in place. I didn't have a funnel, which is, you know, a series of emails that you take someone through. I didn't have a funnel in place. I didn't have any kind of Facebook ads running. I didn't have any kind of proper, like what I know to be a proper launch now. I had none of that in place. But I just showed up once a month and I would invite people from my Instagram. I didn't have an email list. I mean, I did have an email list, but it was very small. I think Mm. just like a few hundred people on there. So I would send a newsletter out on MailChimp that I was doing this live class. And then I would tell people on Instagram and organically people would show up. And so slowly but surely it was, you know, five sales turned into eight, turned into 12, turned into 15. And at at this time it was a very low, I didn't have a lot of overhead. I Mm. mean, I wasn't paying for YouTube. I had purchased a slide deck template on Pinterest and made my slide deck for my webinar. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of overhead. And my goal was just to make $5,000 a month. And then I had hit that. And then I think I had gotten to about fifteen dollars to $18,000 a month in revenue organically. And that's when I hired a coach. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to find someone who had done what it is that I was trying to do, which was to automate this thing. And I met a woman and joined her mastermind. And she told me, she said, if you start running ads behind this, I guarantee you, you will double your your revenue. And this was back in 2017. And I was really nervous. I had actually talked to an ads manager like like 12 months before that, but I was so afraid to invest the money. So I kept waiting. And when she told me that, she just said, yeah, you know, you'll have to pay his retainer or her retainer. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have to probably spend about $5,000 a month in ads to really see a return. If you do this, I know for a fact that you will make. And she was right. So I hired a Facebook ads manager, started running ads, and I immediately went from like 15,000 to like 40 grand a month. And then I was just off to the races at that point. Why do you think maybe as women in business, sometimes we are so scared to just take that leap to invest, you know, people are telling us, just do it, just try it, just test it because you can see a big return. And many times we're like, we're too scared to take that risk. Mm -hmm. Like what made you finally just do it? And why do you think initially it took so long to for you to pull the trigger and and spend a little more? A lot of people tell me like, if you could do anything different, what would it be? Mm -hmm. And I I always say I would have started earlier, you know, like what would have happened? And even with my podcast, I wanted to have a podcast for about three years before I started one, but I I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. I was like, what if it's not good? What if I sound weird? Like, I just didn't have the confidence to do it. I kept, I don't know. I just kept like waiting for some kind of external to change to give me the confidence, which obviously that's impossible. I think that we do that, A, because there's a part of us that feels, A, it makes us feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like if we just, if we don't take a risk, then obviously we're safe, but then we're also not taking risks. I think the other thing too is that, and I talk about this in my book, I think women are so afraid about what other people think about them. We don't want to come across as being money hungry. We don't want to come across as being bossy. Mm -hmm. We don't want to come across as being salesy. 
And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to come across as being salesy if I was a slimy person, but I'm not a slimy person. And sales is a service. And so when I started rooting into the purpose of that, of that I have something that is really helping women, Mm -hmm. I am giving them this recipe and they are literally going out and making more money than they even thought possible. They're making thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars a month, working with brands, doing what they love, leaving their full-time jobs. Who am I to deny them of that? That's actually a very selfish thing. Mm -hmm. If I didn't show up and do that, I'm denying people the one thing that they need the most, which is is my service. And Mm -hmm. so I think that first it has to come from you believing that you actually have something that is really important to share with the world. And, And that has to begin with you. No one can bestow that on you. And I think that women have to stop waiting for the confidence to do something. It's actually the clarity that you get from doing something that creates the confidence, not the other way around. If I would have kept waiting for someone to teach me how to do a webinar or kept waiting for the perfect webinar, I would have never spent that year doing those little live launches, getting the feedback, being able to tweak the program really being able to support because then, you know, the audience is so small. It's it's so intimate. You're able to support them in, in a really beautiful way when you're first starting out. And that's that's the beauty of it. I think the other thing for women, we don't want to come across that we we care about money more than we care about other things. And that's kind of the first ob- kind of objection and mindset we have to get to the other side of. We can care about people more than we care about money, but it doesn't mean we don't have to care about money. The other thing is that I I see a lot, and this really is with pitching, it's a big thing that I have to work with my students on, is that they're so afraid of hearing no. Mm. They don't want to hear no, because if they hear no, that means something that they're making up and telling themselves. It means that they're horrible, that their ideas suck, that nobody wants to work with them, that they should just go live under a bridge and just forget life. But my thing is that that's where we learn from our nose. The nose is is where that's where the magic is. That's yep. where we're able to grow and expand and tweak and really kind of learn different perspectives that we may not be seeing. So I always tell people in my program with pitching, you know, I'm like, go make 100 pitches and like get nose. And I want you to learn from your nose. If you just get a no and you don't learn anything from it, that's not helping you. So if someone tells you no, you there's a way that you can simply say, totally understand. Would you mind sharing with me why you've said no? They may not respond and that's fine, but they also may respond. And a lot of times they do. And you're going to get some really good feedback to then be able to go back to the drawing board to make better offers in the future. And so that's the other thing that women have to stop being so afraid of hearing no. We have to start embracing the beauty of no and learning from our no's. And the more no's that we get, that means the more offers that we're making, which means the more sales that we're going to have, the more revenue that we're going to have, the more impact that we're going to have. So I think no is a great thing. And I think the reason why that might have been, I don't want to say it was so easy for me to hear no, but because I started in 2007, I was assisting one of the top music publicists in in the world. I, I literally could not leave my office unless she had a press report with every single, if if I got a no, if someone didn't want to feature her artist, I had to tell her why. Like it was part of my job. And so I think that I just, I learned at a really young age to not take it personal because it wasn't, it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the offer that we were making. And that's what I always say to anybody. It's the way to grow a business and to make more money is three things. Your offer, your prospect who you're offering it to, and then really how you offer it, your marketing, your messaging, and so off. If you're not making sales, one of those things is off. You either have the wrong offer, you're offering it to the wrong person, or you don't have your marketing and messaging dialed in. If you don't learn from your nose, you're never going to know which one of those things is off. And so that's why I just learned that at a really at a young age in my career, to get a no and learn from that no, refine the messaging, refine the offer, make sure I'm offering it to the right person so I can get a yes next time. You are speaking my language. I say the same thing all of the time. Ask why, get the no's, find out why, and learn how to move forward to get to that yes. So I absolutely love it, Julie, and could not agree more. Perfect spot to break to go into our next segment. Julie, I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. I'm like, I literally say say all of this to everyone. This is exactly what everyone needs to hear. So love it, love it. 
Hi, entrepreneurs. You know, I am always here to provide you with as much value as possible. So I wanted to be sure that you have access to the Entrepreneurista Agenda, our weekly newsletter where we share the latest business news, success stories, grant opportunities, as well as all of our favorite resources and special offers for founders just like you. You can sign up to join our weekly newsletter and join over 50,000 other entrepreneurs over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash newsletter. That's entrepreneurs.com slash newsletter to subscribe to the Entrepreneurs Agenda. Julie, you have a new book that just came out. Congratulations. Get what you want, how to go from unseen to unstoppable. I want to know. How did this book come about? How did this happen? Yeah, thank you so much. It's been such a joy for it to be out in the world. And it's also on Audible. I mean, obviously, a lot of people love to listen to things, which is why we're here. (laughs) And so just to see that, to see people listening to it and having transformations. And then even in the book, I have a lot of study guides and things like that, because that's how I process and learn. And it's been just a really magical way to see how people are using it. The book came about... I had the opportunity to write a proposal for a book back in 2018. So this has been a long process due to COVID. And then my family moved across the country. And then I had another baby. There were things that were kind of in the way that I think stalled the process of it a little bit more. But now looking back, I really feel like I was being guided and there was like a higher calling in that because I really think that it was meant to come out in 2022 and not 2020 or 2021. I feel like now that the book is out and this idea of getting what you want, especially for women, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I feel like that we are told to believe along the way due to many things. I talk about your origin story in the book. And so your origin story is basically the story that comes from your origin that typically shapes the way that we view and see the world. And I think of it as like if we had prescription glasses on and we don't realize that that it's it's a different type of lens. And so if we take the glasses off, we're going to see the world in a different way as if we put the glasses on. And sometimes we may have a prescription on that, that is actually not a good fit for us. But if we don't realize that, we don't know what we don't mm-hmm. know. And so I think that a lot of women are told through that origin story to look through the world through the specific lens and just to kind of be happy with what you need, that you shouldn't really strive for more of what you want You know, if you get what you need, that is enough and you should be happy with that and you should be grateful for that. And who are you to even like want more than that? And that's where this idea of getting what you want comes from. I think that we're here to just not only survive, but but to thrive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not just merely to check off a box, do what's comfortable. I love to push limits and boundaries. And that's what this book is. And I think that now more than ever people feel so disconnected from their desires, from their goals. We feel so disconnected from each other. We feel so disconnected from our communities and our kids' schools and our synagogues, our churches, whatever that may be to people, because we have been so isolated Mm -hmm. due to the pandemic. And so now more than ever, is it so important to start to re-embody what what it is that you want in life and start to re-envision what that is. And I think that a lot of people did start taking stock during the pandemic as to where do I want to live? How do I want to spend my time? You know, what do I want to be working on? Who do I want to be working with? Do I want to be working as much as I am? Like what really lights me up and where do I really see my purpose and my, my passions and my message really making an impact? And that is really what this book is about. It's broken up into three stages. The first is really getting clear on what's holding us back, because I believe that you can't move forward unless you know what's kind of tugging you back. Getting to the other side of those, for women, and I talk about it in the book and for myself as well, they tends to be people-pleasing, control, lack of boundaries, codependency issues, you know, scarcity mindset, money mindset issues. And then once you can get to the other side of that and really start to accept your part to play in those mindsets, can you start to reframe to a new mindset of what's possible? And then that's the second kind of part of the book, outlining a new possibility for you. So that's where we start to go into what is your purpose? Are you living out your purpose? What is your passion? Do you know that there's a difference between the two? And what are those? 
and then really mapping out a blueprint for someone's success. I've, I've talked a lot about that today. I believe that in order to succeed at anything, you have to have a method, a recipe. You would never build a house if you didn't have an ar architectural plan for it. You're not going to bake a cake, most likely, if you don't have a recipe for it. And I feel like that's the same. The same goes for whatever success that you're looking for. You know, if you're wanting to grow a business, if you're wanting to invest in, I don't know, real estate, whatever that may be, the more that you probably follow a method that's already been tried and true, yeah. the more success that you probably are going to have. And so I talk a lot about that and I give people a blueprint for success. And then we go into the results, which is the third part of what happens once you can do that. How can you pitch yourself? How can you advocate for yourself? How can you really find agency over your own voice and sharing that with the world? How can you confidently know what you're worth and negotiate for that with confidence, unabashedly? And then how do you find the community of people that you really need to set you up to that next level and to really, you know, push you to, to rise above whatever limitations you're putting on yourself? And so I set the book up that way for a reason, because that has been my own journey and process of, of success. And and also just a reminder that there's not this endpoint. It's not like you check a box off and you're like, okay, you know, like I've gotten everything that I want. There's always going to be a next level. Yeah. Once you get something that you want, there's always going to be these new ideas, these new desires coming in and you're going to want more, most people anyway. And so how do we distinct between those things? How do we really get off the hamster wheel of, I don't really know what to focus on and I feel so stuck and I'm doing all the things and I'm not getting anywhere. Like, how do we really focus down on what's going to move the needle for you and go all in on that? And so that's really the gist of the book. I share a lot of personal stories of just my own struggle with being in debt for mm -hmm. a really long time and having a lot of shame around the debt. I actually hid the debt from my husband and then he found out. Thankfully, he didn't leave me, but it was, it was this really kind of, come to Jesus moment as to why am I so afraid of money? Why do I think money is this bad, evil thing? Why can't I embrace it? Why can't I learn more about it? Why am I not giving myself that permission? Why do I keep telling myself that, you know, Julie, you were never good at math in high school, so you can't manage money. I mean, it's like whatever these, these stories Negative that I would tell myself. Yeah. Yes, all of that. And so they, they compound. And, and unless we're aware of that, we can never get to the other side. And so that's what I really hope that this book will do for that woman who might have been like me that day. And, you know, maybe she's not in debt, but maybe it's something else, you know, and she's just sick and tired of being sick and tired. She's sick and tired of being on the hamster wheel. She's sick and tired of comparing herself. She's sick and tired of telling herself that right now is not enough, you know, that she can't be peaceful and happy and content in this moment and really step into what it is that she wants. And so, that's what the book is. That's who it's for and why I think, you know, it being out now is important. Well, I'm excited to read your book. I am going to be ordering it and we'll definitely be sharing it all over social with our entrepreneurista community. So congrats again. I want to hear a little bit more about the book writing process. I know a lot of our entrepreneurista community, they're very interested in writing a book. I can't remember what the stat is, but I feel like almost everyone has an idea for a book. But so many people don't take action and just go start writing the book, make a plan for the book. And now there are a lot of different options when you want to write a book, whether you obviously get a publisher for a book and get a book deal, self-publish and other options in between. How did you decide when you knew you wanted to write this book? And I know you said you had an, an opportunity back in 2018. How did you decide who to work with for that book? What route to go down? What your goals were and any recommendations you can share with our entrepreneurs who are thinking about writing a book and haven't taken that leap to start yet? The first thing that I would say about writing a book, I believe that people write a book when they have something they need to say. And so with that said, I think you have to first get clear on, do you want to write a book because you just want to say that you've written a book? Or do you want to write a book just to say that you're a best-selling author? Or do you really want to write a book because you have something that you want to share with the world? And if you really feel that way, at least from my perspective, I think that your reason for writing a book always has to be greater for any excuse that you would have to not write it. I heard that same, I think it was like 90% of Americans want to write a book, mm -hmm. only 1% of them do. And so getting really clear on why do I want to do this? What is the greater meaning? Make it 
more than yourself, make it greater than yourself. And that that's going to kind of offload the resistance a little bit to doing it. Really asking yourself, what are you so afraid of? You know, that can be a really interesting rabbit hole that someone can go <laughs> down. And then the avenues of writing a book, I think that in today's age, you really can't get it wrong. I have friends that self-publish and they love the ease of that and being able just to kind of get it up and get it out in the world. But then they've got a lot of responsibility on their plate. I did take the traditional publishing route. I, I published with HarperCollins, mm -hmm. their leadership imprint. But I still had to do a lot of the work. Thankfully, I had their team that was able to distribute the book and get it into stores that I wouldn't have been able to get it into if I self-published. But a lot of the marketing, it's on the author. Mm -hmm. And so I say there's always three stages to a book. You've got the writing process, the editing process, and the marketing process. Really four stages if you include the proposal process, which is the first one. For me, the other thing, I knew that I wanted to write it myself. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want a ghostwriter. But I also had never written a book. And I share this with all of my students. I wrote this in the book. I believe that no matter what you want to do, you have to learn from someone who has done what it is that you're trying to do. Yep. That's just, I. that's how I learn. I think that that's how, that's the most successful way to learn something. And so I also believe that every coach needs a coach and there's a coach for everything. So I went and sought out and got a writing coach. I had an incredible woman who would meet me every Monday during my writing process on a Zoom, and we would just talk. And it was kind of like a therapy session of sorts. She would ask me certain questions. She would, you know, what do you want to talk about? And then from there would, would pull things out of me. We would record the Zoom, and then I would transcribe the Zoom, and then I would use that as like the basis of what I wrote. And then I would go and I would write everything. And then she would kind of do some developmental editing, mm -hmm. which is, that's always a part of an editing process with a book. You, you've got copy editing, you've, there's so many different editing processes, but developmental editing is when they really go in and develop it to make sure that it flows, it makes sense. You know, do we need to kill some darlings here? Do we need to cut this, add this? This doesn't really make sense. The reader's going to want to know more here, you know, and they kind of guide you to pulling back or adding more. And so I met an incredible woman named Mary Curran Hackett. I actually had her on the Influencer Podcast, if anyone wants to listen to that episode, because she dives into a lot of this side. But for me, having that, I think that it gave me more courage to believe in myself. It gave me the confidence to go for it because she was there coaching me and supporting me on. And that's really what I needed. And that really helped. And I want to say that having a writing coach, my editing process was super easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, there wasn't a lot that they ran through. You know, I was ready because I had heard these horror stories of like, well, get ready for the red lines and like, you're going to be in this for months. And, and you know, we of course had several passes of editing, but it wasn't this daunting process. And I think that it's because of how intentional I was with the writing process. One of the things that I would have changed, I would have given myself more time to just sit with the original manuscript and really read through it and really make sure that like, is this, does this feel in flow? Obviously the book's out and it's done and I'm very happy with how it turned out. But I kind of always think of like, your book is always going to probably be like, your like in some ways, I don't want to say like crappy first draft, but it's like as a first time writer and author, like it's not going to be the most profound, you know, thing because you're going to continue to grow and like write your book. And so that's just my own like self critique. Now that I've become more of a writer, I'm like, oh, you know, there would have, I would have done this or done that differently, but it is exactly how it's meant to be. But that would have been one thing that I've learned that I would have just, I wouldn't have felt the need to rush the process if that helps anybody. Like write the manuscript, give yourself time. I would take the manuscript to FedEx and I would print it out mm. in a spiral and I would go through it like a script. And I would redline things myself and highlight things and move things around. I would read it out loud to make sure that it sounded succinct before I sent it to the publishing house for like their hard hand of editing. So that's really how my process went with the writing. And then the marketing is a whole other beast. Oh, yes. that's That could be a whole other podcast episode. And maybe we'll... Maybe what we'll do when this comes out, we'll do when this airs, we'll do an Instagram live or LinkedIn live and we can talk about book marketing strategies too and, yes. and follow up on that. Because yes, that's a whole other conversation. But definitely coming mm -hmm. on podcasts is part of that marketing strategy for sure. You got to get yes, the word yes. out. Did you work with Judith Kerr from HarperCollins? 
I did not work with Judith. I was under their leadership imprint. So I, I worked with Sarah was Sarah and Linda and Jamie are the team over there. Awesome. Yeah. Judith, we, she's one of the heads over at HarperCollins and she's been on our podcast before and she's absolutely wonderful. So I was wondering, oh, did you guys connect? So, well, thank you for sharing all of those tips and advice. I think it's super helpful. Our entrepreneurs are always asking questions about the process of book grading. So I think it's really good to hear everything that you went through and what you learned and what you would have done differently. Are you ready to start on book number two? (laughs) I really loved the process like that's and I was talking to I had a book agent that that's the other thing. If you want to go the traditional route, you most typically you have to have an agent and then they will pitch it out. And then you have an acquisitions editor that acquires the proposal. So I was telling my agent that I said, you know, if I could write a book like every couple of years and just speak on stages, like I would, I really liked it. I like how isolating the writing process is. I really liked that creative part of it that was very incubating. Mm-hmm. For me personally, because so much of my work in my life as a mom is like, I never get time to myself. (laughs) So like if I get to shut a door and just like have myself for a moment, it was really nice. And I do, I feel like there's always, the more that you go into the depths of your soul and your writing, there's, there's more that you want to unlock and uncover. And so I think that this is a great first book and it really paves a path out of like self-loathing really and unworthiness and and all of that, but there's there's definitely more that I, I want to share for future books. Julie, this is my favorite segment. I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. The first word or words that come to your mind. Are you ready? Yes. All right. How would your friends describe you in three words? I think they would describe me as bright, funny, and resourceful. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Coffee or tea? Tea. Favorite business tool or solution that you've used to help grow your business? Methods, methodologies, and documentations. Are there any business tools that you've used for that, for documenting? My own brain. (laughs) And a system of operation. I mean, not that I think revolutionized my business. I use like ClickUp to stay Mm -hmm. organized. I use Slack to communicate with my team that sort of thing. But I think it's really bringing either myself or bringing in strategists that can document processes, and then we execute on those. Such good advice. And finally, last rapid fire question. What is your hidden talent? Hidden talent? Hmm. I can name a song in like less than a second. I was actually on a reality show called Beat Shazam because I'm so good at this. Yes, it was on Fox with Jamie Foxx. No, it was me and my brother. <laughs> yes, we did not win. But yeah, I am really, really good at knowing a song within like the first like beat. That's awesome. That just reminds me, we yeah. were on vacation, my husband and I and my daughter a few months ago, and they were doing like a name that tune at the pool for 80s. Yeah. And my husband's like a big 80s nerd, like and it was every song. And it was like this huge competition. There are people that could just like name songs so quickly. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah, that is a good head and talent. Hey, entrepreneurs, Stephanie here. Dressing up while working from home has truly been a challenge. But guess what? I found a solution founded by a fellow entrepreneurista. It's Armoire. You can rent stylish clothes weekly or monthly right from the app. You'll spend less time shopping and you can get up to 50% off of your first month plus two bonus items. Just use the code entrepreneurista at checkout or visit armoire.style forward slash entrepreneurista to claim your offer. Look and feel your best with armoire. I know I do. That's armoire.style forward slash entrepreneurista. So Julie, I'm also a new mom. I still say new mom, but she just turned three, but I think I'll say new mom forever. And I know it is not easy to manage multiple businesses and endeavors and be there for our kids. It's a hard juggle. How do you manage everything? Do you have any tips or advice that you can share? Yeah, the first tip, and this took me a really long time, I just started to learn this over the past couple of years, is I go easy on myself. Mm -hmm. I can be very self-critical because I've got a work hard and it's never enough and I'm not doing enough and why couldn't I do do all the things at once? Because 
I think for a lot of moms who do want to run businesses and be entrepreneurs and are probably type A, type three Enneagrams, like we are really good at doing a lot of things. We are really good at juggling. We are really good at just like, I'll figure it out and don't worry about it. And I'll get it done better and faster than anyone else can. And although that may be true, it's still important that we allow ourselves to be supported and that we receive that support. It is okay to say no. It is okay to say, can I get your help? Mm -hmm. Can I ask a favor for you? And so I think that that took me a long time just to really root into the beauty of being supported by other people. And even if they don't do it the way that I would do it, it doesn't mean that it's not a great way of doing it. And so letting myself off the hook, going easier on myself when it's not the way that I think it should be has been really helpful. And that's just my own internal mindset. And then when it comes to outward help, I have to have support. I have a son who's eight years old, and then I have a daughter who's 22 months old. And so with my son, when we lived in Los Angeles, we had a nanny pretty much full time, um, Monday through Friday that would help me and my husband because we both worked full time. And she was like family, like there's no way I could have built a business without her help. And then my son started going to kindergarten and then we had another one. And so now we're, we're right back in it. And so I have again, a nanny that's here Monday through Friday, that is so much more than that. I mean, she really keeps our house and our family unit moving throughout the day. She's so helpful to me and for me. And there's no shame in that. For me, I used to have shame because my mom would say, you know, well, I had four kids and I never had a nanny. And I'm like, yeah, but you also didn't work full time and like, you know, have this and have that. Yeah. Like all you did was was be a mom, which is amazing. But that's just not me. And so for me to really give 100% to my business, I have to have a nanny during the day. And then for me to be able to give 100% to my kids in the evening, I have to be able to shut this off mm -hmm. and like really be here for them and, and for my husband as well. So that's a way that we also get support. The other thing that happened was that when I had my daughter, I hired a chef that specifically cooked postpartum mm -hmm. wellness food. So it was like during the, that first six weeks of postpartum and it was incredible. And I really got hooked to this. And so I started to crunch some numbers and the amount of Postmates that we were spending I was like, you know what? I think that we could have someone like prepare food for yes. us and it's going to be healthier food yes. and it's going to be cheaper. So during the school year, Monday through Thursday nights on school nights, I have this great company in Nashville that will just drop off food on Monday afternoons and all I have to do is heat it up. And so I had to ask myself, do I want to spend my time cooking or do I want to spend my time being with my kids? And for me, it was being with my kids. So that's another way that I get support that it's actually more cost effective than the way because I don't cook and my husband doesn't cook. And it's just a great way for me to get support and for me to be to be able to spend time with my kids. So no shame around that either. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's so important for women to hear that because like you said, I think as moms and entrepreneurs, we think we need to manage and do absolutely everything. And we don't. We just need to figure out what we can outsource, where we should be spending our time, where our time is best spent. And it's okay to bring in extra help. That's how we all have different businesses and can all support and help each other. So I love that you shared that. And I think it's really important for everyone to hear. Julie, I feel like we could sit and talk for five more hours, but I know that you have a busy schedule to get back to and promoting your book and being with your family. I have one final question for you, and then we'll definitely have to do a live soon and talk about book marketing strategies for sure. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? I think what that means to me is... Unlocking my wisdom, my soul, and letting that shine because I think it gives others the permission to do the same. Entrepreneurship is the most creative and sometimes insane thing that anyone could ever sign up for. You kind of have to be a little crazy, but in a really magical way. And I think that the more that we stand up, stand out, go against the conformities of the norm and show people that it's possible, the more possibilities we give to others. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Julie, where can everyone find you and follow you? And of course, buy your new book. Yes. So Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable is wherever books are sold. There's also an Audible that people are loving. I narrated it. It was super fun. So if you love to listen to books, you can get that on Audible. 
And then there's also a hard copy and a Kindle and all of those things. And then you can find me at juliesolomon.net is my website where you can learn more about me and all of that good stuff, how to work with me. And then I tend to spend most of my time on Instagram. That's at Jules, J-U-L-S, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. And then, of course, the Influencer Podcast. We drop a new episode every Wednesday wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Thank you again, Julie, for being here. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Hey, Entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurs League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th and so does our experience week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our experience week. This will be a five day virtual event series and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Corral, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entreprenista.com forward slash experience week. That's entreprenista.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey.